Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. Okay. Um, today, we're going to get into the meat of the course. This is the stuff that actually... Um, well, I think most of you have heard of an analysis variance, probably ran into it. Dwayne talked about analysis variance a little bit, right? Yeah. But it very broad strokes, right? Like, he didn't actually show you how to do one, that kind of thing. Did he? Yeah, good for him. <laughs> I see Ted Dexter stuff to do because he was going too fast. Um, he did one. Oh, he did, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, this, well, We've talked about t-tests, we've talked about z-tests. Uh, they're about the difference between one group and a, and, a, and a population, or between two groups. What if we have more than two groups? Well then, stop! That's it, no more science. Well, obviously not. We must have come up with something. Okay? So there's got to be a way to do this, to, do, to compare three groups at once, basically. Um, and now these numbers don't really matter. So feel free to write them down or pay attention to them. I don't really care. But they don't matter a great deal. But we got a factor we're going to call A. That's going to be in our independent variable. I want you to get used to this kind of notation. You're going to have the factor or the variable is called A. It's got three levels, A1, A2, and A3. Just get used to that. You're going to see a lot of that for the next month and a half. Well, so we have three means, 84, 74, and 59. We've got three subjects per group, okay? These are their scores. I don't know what these, are, these scores are. I, I really, really don't. I, and I'm not making up an example. Imagine something. You kids today have no imaginations. And apparently, neither do I. So it's just some numbers. The thing is, how are we going to attack this? Right? So that's the question we have to ask ourselves. How are we going to look at determining if these three sets of scores from A1, A2, and A3, how are we going to determine if they're different or not? Well, here's a question. Why do the scores vary? Well, there's a few reasons. But the, the, the quite the, another way to put this, or a more technical term, is what are the sources of variation? What are the sources of variation? Okay. Well, one of them is individual differences. Those were different people. We had three people in each group, or rats, whatever the hell you want them to be. We had nine people or rats or whatever, each, all told. They're all different. So if we've got you three are a group, and let's see, we need another group of three. So you three are a group, and then you three are a group. Okay, fair enough. And I treat you guys to A1, and you guys to A2, and you guys to A3. Okay. Well, one of the reasons that all that your scores differ in this group and in this group and in this group is because within this group, you're three different people. 
And you can think of almost any task that we had varying levels of something. So let's say that was measuring. Now I said I wasn't going to make up an example. Now I'm going to. I was measuring your resting heart rate. So someone in this group is, 90, is a 90 beats per second. Somebody's close to a heart attack. It's pretty fast for someone your age. But let's, let's say it's resting heart rate. I don't know. And this is going to be three drugs to give you. Well, in this group, you just vary to begin with. You bring a whole bunch of stuff to the experiment before it starts. You have individual differences. Same thing within your group, same thing within your group. Make sense? So one of the sources of variation is individual differences. And, of course, group differences. If these are three different drugs, the fact that you're on level one of the drug, you're on level two of the drug, and you're on level three of the drug is also a source of variation. There's two reasons that the scores can vary. There are two reasons the scores vary. Individual differences and group differences. Wow. Thing. Oh, I thought it was just like your bone cracking because it's saying you're getting old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, our friend is just running our family, but that'd be horrible. Scary. Okay. Individual differences, group differences. Makes sense. Any questions? This is important you get this. As my grade 13 English teacher used to say, this is key, people. It's so weird to think of things like that, you know? Like, I'm old enough now that, like, my elementary school teachers, they're all dead. That's weird. Or they're really old. My grade five teacher was, like, 30. But that was in 1976, 75. He's not 30 anymore. He's retired. Wow. Anyway, don't think about things like that. They get scary. You ever go back to your old elementary school? At your university, you see some teacher you know, and they're like, suddenly they seem shorter. It's like, oh, I'm an adult now. That's the difference. <laughs> and you walk in, and all the little baskets where you used to put your mittens, you can look down into them now. They were never that low before. <laughs> they used to seem like, you know, I'll put my mittens up here. <laughs> you go into the gym, and you go, you play basketball in here? It's the size of the classroom in Elko, right? And we have a small university. It's very strange. <laughs> the worst part <laughs> eventually when you have kids and you go to parent night and you have the meeting with the teacher and you're sitting in those little chairs. <laughs> you just feel like such an asshole. You know, he's like, I've actually said, I'm not going to stand. I'm not sitting there. Because all you have are little chairs. All right. Individual differences, group differences. Makes sense, right? So any score is made up of the following sources of variation. Well, there's a thing at the beginning, a baseline level we all have. We'll call that the being human, which is also a show. Which is BBC one, and there's money in the States. The British one's better. American one's good, though. Anyway, there's a baseline level. Then there's the fact that you got that drug and the fact that you're different people. But at some level, you're going to have a resting heartbeat if you're a living human being. Right? And then, I gave you different drugs. And then, 
you're Carly, and you're Maddie, and you're Mays. Right? Three different people. So you have different heart rates. Does that make sense? We could, we could turn this into, you know, we could always write things out in sentences. Couldn't wait. But it's more fun when we turn it into Greek letters. X equals mu plus alpha plus tau. Oh, sorry, X equals mu plus tau plus epsilon. Tau is a Greek letter for T, for T, right? And it, it means treatment. Epsilon means error. And mu means grand mean, you know that? Or sorry, mu means like just mean. These are parameters. Any score equals grand mean, let's say that, plus treatment mean, the treatment effect plus the individual effect. Individual differences. So errors, individual? Yeah. Anything we don't, we can't actually measure in, in, in statistics, we call error. And when you think about it, what are we interested in, Maddie? We're interested in the difference in groups. We aren't really different, interested in the difference in people, are we? We don't care. So that's why we call that error. Right? It's what's left over. You also see your sometimes called residual because it's what's left over. It's what's left over. It shouldn't really be pointing that way. It's like I'm going to lose conference going on. I have an announcement to make. Marty Silouy will be replacing Stephen Stamkos. I love watching the, when they're doing reporters because they often have the same, the Zoom H2. Yeah. Sort of makes me feel like a reporter. Okay. Yep. What's epsilon again? Uh, error. So individual differences. Yep. Okay. Questions so far? All I've done is I've taken this sentence and put it into these things here. We call that thing the structural model of analysis of variance. There it is, writ large. Any score equals the grand mean plus the treatment effect plus error. Any score is the grand mean plus the treatment effect plus the error. How are you doing so far? Is this good still? You're still any questions? This still okay? No one's frightened? No one wants to run away yet? No more than usual. No more than usual. Fair, that's all I ask. That's all I ask, Josh. No one's too scared? Okay. Well, I'd be scared. Okay. Let's make an assumption. Here's one. Mu1 equals mu2 equals mu3 equals dot, 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 equals mu k. There are k groups. In any given design, there are k groups. Our k in our case here is 3. We have three groups, remember? k just equals 3. So mu1 equals mu2 equals mu3 equals blah, blah. In other words, what's that say? It just says all of the, grade, all of the group means are equal. All of the group means are equal.
I know they didn't look equal. Let's assume they are. If the group means are equal, the variances are equal. Sigma squared 1 equals sigma squared 2 equals sigma squared 3 equals dot 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 equals sigma squared sub k. In other words, the null hypothesis is true. Because if it's the same means and the same variances, well, that means the groups are all the same. Right? Does that make sense? So the null, we're just assuming the null hypothesis is true. That's the null hypothesis assumption. In fact, that assumption is in every single statistical test. I didn't talk about the t-test, but it's there. Okay. Again, questions. I keep trying to stop for this because I really want it, and I don't want to go too quickly. Yes, go ahead. How come if the um, means are the same, why does that mean that the variances are the same? Well, these go together with the null hypothesis being true. Uh, if the means were all the same, it seems unlikely that the variances wouldn't all be the same. Because if the means are all the same, they probably come from the same distribution. Yeah. Yeah, I probably shouldn't say therefore, because I used you, you recognize the mathematical symbol. Therefore, I probably shouldn't have used the therefore. I should have started with HO is true, Therefore, mu1 equals mu2 equals mu3 equals dot, 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 equals mu sub k, and therefore, all the variances are equal. I should have said it that way. Maybe I'll change the slide. That's good. I'm glad you pointed that out. It makes more sense. Good question. Anything else? So, so far, you're okay, right? Okay. We're going to assume the scores are, are normally and randomly distributed around the grand mean. The grand mean is the mean of all your scores, all nine of you, irrespective of group. You put all your scores together, okay, that the scores are no normally and randomly distributed around the grand mean. That's a very standard assumption in every statistical test, inferential statistical so this is not a big thing. We can actually violate the hell out of this, by the way. We can't really violate the randomness too much. We can violate normality pretty severely, though. This, this assumption is there to make the math, well, all behind this, work. This assumption is there to make the calculus that you don't have to know that is behind doing an analysis variance work. But if you violate the assumptions, the calculus isn't true anymore. Those of you that have done any advanced sort of university-level math know when you would prove something, you would make assumptions at the beginning, or even at the end of high school doing math. You would say, oh, assuming this is true, I can then do this. That's what's happened here. There are proofs that we don't have to get into. You're not in graduate school. And even in graduate school, we didn't get into those proofs. We were told they existed. We were showed it in the, on, on the board, and then we were told, you don't have to know this cop. So, I mean, it really isn't necessary unless you want to become a statistician. I'm not a statistician. I use statistics for as a tool. I'm not just a tool that does statistics. 
So, so thing in. But if you remember doing that for math, playing play with uh, proving identities and doing proofs and that, even in like it's probably as far back as like grade ten, you would look at something and you would say, okay, assuming this is true, I can then do this math, right? This is all this is, except we have to not violate that. What we're saying here is we have, and here, here's another one, sorry, independent observations. We cannot violate this assumption. This one we can. We, we do, and it doesn't affect things too badly. This one we violate this, you may as well, you, just, you, should, probably, you should probably kill yourself. No, that's a little severe. It's like a YouTube comment. <laughs> It's really cleaned up YouTube now that they went over to having to use a Google, Google Plus account. Eh? It's cleaned it right up. There's no trolling at all anymore. Ah, uh, Google Plus. The social network for people that work for Google. Um, what this says is, I, if I know one score, I don't know the, the other score. They're independent of each other. I know Carly's score. I don't know anything about David's score. It doesn't help you one way or the other. Right? They're independent events. Now think about that. Typically, that's not going to be a problem. Think of the kind of experiments we do in psychology. A memory experiment. If I have you come into the lab and you, you, you learn a list of words and then repeat them to me after a retention interval, and then someone else comes in, your scores are going to be independent. So it's typically not something we worry about, but it can happen. And that's a violation. We cannot violate this. We cannot. You must start over if you violate that assumption. And think about it. You wouldn't want that to be the case, right? I don't want, I don't want it to be the case that... Um, really cold? Okay. No. I know it's hard to tell where I'm looking sometimes, because, you know, I, I can't see... Had a teacher in grade eight that had a glass eye, just fine, you know, whatever, whatever made him happy. But you could never tell where he was looking. You'd go, hey, you know, what? He's looking at me, but pointing over there. He was pretty. <laughs> like not because of that. I got sympathy for people with eye problems. More that, you know, I used to argue with him and always be right, and he hated it. I left school one day. He said, go to the principal's office. I said, no, I'm going home. Flat. Because I knew my parents were awesome. And they hated this teacher, too. Ah, <laughs> uh, stories I could tell you. Anyway, it turns out he was a pedophile. Um, <laughs> just threw that out there. It's true. Just saying. Um, didn't say his name, so this is not some kind of libelous thing that anybody on the internet's. My grade 8 science teacher. Look it up. Okay. <laughs> We want to have independent observations. Design takes care of that. We have no, no I, I think of this as the no cheating assumption. That you weren't looking off your paper. You weren't looking off your paper, right? I mean, it's kind of like that, but that's almost all it is. Because look, if you are cheating, and I'm not saying you guys are cheating, except I think you might be. Um, <laughs> if you were, and I'm trying to measure your ability in statistics, I'm not measuring your ability, am I? I'm measuring her ability. So it's the same sort of thing. I'm now not measuring the group effect. I'm measuring the group effect on her, not you. You see what I'm saying? So that's why it's an important assumption. I don't think you're cheating. 
<laughs> Yet. Okay. Uh, another assumption is all sources of variation are in the model. In other words, it's not really x equals mu plus tau plus epsilon plus secret extra special thing that we didn't tell you about. That everything's in there. There's nothing else. Okay. I know that's kind of a weird one, but when you think about it, all I'm saying in this case is that from the last class, that's a cigarette for those of you who have drugs, the drugs class before. Well, I hadn't seen one before, so I drew one on the board. Any score equals the grand mean plus the treatment effect plus error. That that's there's nothing else. There's not unless it's Tuesday. Notice there, there's not unless Carly's sitting beside Maddie, then we'll know Maddie will cheat off Carly. Because I'm watching you. Right? It's not in there. Okay. That's the assumptions. Okay. Now, again, you're okay so far. Okay, because this is why it starts to get weird. Whoops. No, that's right. Did I skip? No, that's right. Okay, good. Let's look at the variance. Here's some things we know to be true. These truths I proclaim to be self-evident. Any population variance is roughly the same as its sample variance. Right? We know that. That's why that's, this means approximately equal. Like, it's like equals if you're drunk. It's like close, this is the close enough for rock and roll symbol. Okay, yeah, sure. That's true-ish. It's the, it's the true-ish. It's equals-ish. It's equals-y. It's equals-esque. Sigma squared sub 1 is roughly equal to S squared sub 1. In other words, this is an unbiased estimator of this. Right, we accept that. And this is also this is the case, etc., etc., etc. Getting all the way to the point where we would say that sigma squared sub k is roughly equal to, that's a horrible roughly equal to, sorry, S squared sub k. Right, any variance is equal you can estimate population variance with sample variance, all I'm saying. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Sigma squared sub epsilon. Which is something you hear me say over and over again in this course. But sigma squared sub epsilon, the Variance of individual scores, right? The individual variance. Variance of individual scores. Well, how would we get that if we did that? Well, really, when you think about it, it's basically just this. S squared. So I just do the variance of all your scores. Right? If I'm estimating the population, you guys represent a population, you nine. So I just get your scores, I get a variance, I'm happy. Okay. 
okay, this is where it's going to get a little strange. So these first two parts are okay. Sigma squared sub j. There are, the j's are group 1, j1, j equals 2, j equals 3. There are k groups, three groups. And then the j's are just the indices, right? 1, 2, and 3. Can you repeat that? I'm not sure I can. <laughs> uh, the, there are k groups. What does that mean, there are k groups? Well, there are, in this case, there are three. Oh, okay. K equals three. It's a number of groups. K is a number of groups. Okay. And j is the index. Like, group one. So j equals one here. j equals two here. Oh, okay. j equals three here. Okay. If I was to take... So s squared sub j, in other words, in this case, s squared sub 1. Okay? And your group is s squared sub 1. So I'm just going to take the mean of your group, and then I'm going to take each score. There's only three here, by the way. Subtract it from that mean, square it, divide by little n, in this case 3, minus 1. So, like, if, if Carly's score was 5, and Maddie's score was 6, and Maddie's score was 7, Make it easy. Make it easy. The happier scores the highest. Is that what, you're what if this is a measure of evil? <laughs> then you show that you're just okay with it. Now I'm a little frightened of it. Everybody be very nice. She might be evil. Okay. So that's five, six, seven. I just chose that because I know very easily that the mean of this is six. That's why I chose the numbers I could do the math with easily. Now, I want to get your, your, your variance score for your group. It's going to be this. Which is going to be what? Uh, 1, 2, over 2, which is 1. That was easy. See, there's a reason I chose those numbers. <laughs> like, squaring 1's in your head is really easy. Because, look, it's 5 minus 1 which is 1 squared, which is 1. 6 minus 6, which is 0. 7 minus 6. Oh, look, it's 1 plus 1, which is 2 over 2. That's makes the math easy. So that's what I've done here for this group. Then I do the same thing for this group. You have different scores. Then I do the same thing for this group. Different scores. I think if it's a measure of evil, I think David probably wins. He's got, he's got a black hat on. I think it looks evil. Because <laughs> the Raiders, it's not the Raiders, is it? Okay, it's not the Nets, Brooklyn Nets. They're not evil. They're just not a very good basketball team. Um, <laughs> they should be better, shouldn't they? Should. What's going on with those guys? Coach, I, I think they it's the coach. coach. Yeah, <laughs> they need a, I think they need a coach. <laughs> I think. Don't you think his philosophy is, you know, why don't we play basketball? And that's really all he's got. Yeah, it's kind of sad because they should be better than them. And I like the fact that they changed the colors to black and white. I think they look cool. Brooklyn's a great place. And then they... Oh, anyway. <laughs> I said we started following basketball. I got a basketball... My son gets a basketball game for his Xbox 360 for Christmas. Now I'm watching NBA games again. Video games change my life always. You're saying. <laughs> so we get these guys' scores, get their variance, get these guys' scores, get their variance, get these guys' scores, get their variance. What would S-bar... Squared sub J B spot. Well, what it would be is the average of this variance and this variance and this variance. That's what this says here. 
you're saying you're averaging variances. What's wrong with you? Well, the numbers don't know where they come from. They don't give a shit. Like, they just don't care. So it's a bar, not a negative two. It's a bar. You were referring to negative two, negative two. Oh, yeah, that would be weird. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You can do that, but that would be weird, right? So what does the bar mean? It just means average. Oh. Like X bar. This is S bar, sub. S bar squared sub J. Or S squared bar sub J. I've never actually heard it set up loud. <laughs> Which is just the average. That's what I've done. I've added them all up and divided by K. K groups, one, two, three. He's following so far. Because the overall variance, if the groups are all the same, and we've assumed that, the groups are all the same, the overall variance should be the same as the average variance for these three groups. Maddie, you look at the other question. So why is it in the final step that there's the sum sign? It's an average. You're adding all three variances together and dividing by three. Yeah. This should be the same. As just the overall variance. Because if, if, if there's no effect of the groups, if HO is true, right? We assumed HO was true. If HO is true, then your variance in your group should be the same as the overall variance of all nine people. Which means that the average variance of each three group should be the same as the overall variance, shouldn't it? Right? Makes sense, doesn't it? Because because we said there's no difference, there's no effective groups. So the overall variance should be the same as the average variance of each group, average of the group variances. That should be true if the groups are equal. Okay? Does that make some sense now? No, I just understood the average thing. Okay. Other questions? Questions I'm happy to answer. You sure you're okay? The average of if if the not all hypothesis is true, then the overall variance of all eight of all nine of you should be the same as the average of each group variance. Because they're estimating the same thing, aren't they? But by the central limit theorem, the central limit theorem is that the variance of x bar, it's just the variance, sample distribution, the variance of x bar equals sigma squared over n. That's a thing. That's like, that, I don't have to tell you that. You should know that's a that's central limit theorem right there. The variance of x bar, I think all the possible x bars, should be sigma squared over n. Therefore, and I'm using it correctly this time, the variance of the, of the means, we have group means here. There's a group mean here, we have a group mean here, and a group mean here. There's a group mean for these three guys, a group mean for you three guys, and a group mean for you three guys. And I'm using guy in a gender nonspecific sense. Don't be, don't protest. That's what that is, Look, S squared sub X bar. This is weird. What have I done? I've taken three 
means, and I'm going to take those means, and I'm going to take the variance of those means. Huh. So I calculate the I told you this one was uh, five, a 6. Let's say this was 12, and we'll make this one 18. So let's say this was 6. These guys are 12. That's their mean. Their mean is 18. So I got three numbers. Okay? That's your group mean, your group mean, your group mean. So let's just pretend those are the numbers. Now, if I was to get S, S squared sub x bar, well, what's the overall average of that? It's 12. There's a reason, again, I take those numbers, because I can do the math in my head. So I'm going to get the sum of x minus x bar squared over, it's not n minus 1 this time, is it? It's k minus 1. We have k groups of k minus 1. But it's the same idea. And actually, this is a group name, and that's a grand name. It's weird. So we got 6 minus 12, so that's going to be 6, 6, 36, 36, 36, 72 over 2, 36. So we did that math problem in my head. So that sounds right. Yeah. And I know it's weird that I've just taken a variance of a bunch of means. Why would you do that? Well, I did it because I looked at central limit theorem and it told me, hey, look at that. And then I just substituted in the statistics for the parameters. You okay? Does that make sense? Because you look a little bit concerned. Squinting. Okay. Okay. Okay, that's okay. I just thought, you know, I want to go over here just to make sure people are dead yet. I know it's getting a little bit hard. A little bit. I get that. This is a lot of you right now are saying I should have paid a little more attention to math in high school. Just a little. No? You're, saying, you're not saying that? You're saying I just want to go home, aren't you? No, that wouldn't have helped. Wouldn't have helped. Really? Okay. Oh, you're just saying stuff. Just being negative. Just being negative? Okay, yeah. good, good. Yeah, well, that's no. Um, okay. So, sorry, Dave. Yeah, please. Where did the G come from? G grand mean. Okay. Yeah, that was called G for grand mean. Yeah, please ask things like that because they're just, to me, the notations make complete sense because I've taught, this is my 20th time teaching this course. It's like a full mean? Yeah. That would be the mean of the means. Okay. It would also be, in fact, the mean of all your scores. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what this is. I've just thrown this in here because this actually is this. Well, if there's no effect, then this is actually, this variance is actually an estimate of, remember, all variance then must just be individual differences, so we'll call it sum of squared sub, sub epsilon, divided by n still. And now what I'm going to do is I just, I want to isolate this. I want to estimate group variance, or yeah, estimate error variance. So I'm trying to isolate it. Sigma squared sub epsilon equals s squared sub x bar times n. Sorry, how do we get to uh, the second step? Right this one here? Yeah, how do they get to being sub epsilon? This to this? Oh, no, no, this to this. So sigma squared to sigma squared sub epsilon. Because sigma squared is variance, 
And if the null hypothesis is true, the only variance that exists is variance due to individual differences. So there, therefore, there's only one thing that has sigma squared, and that's it, individual differences. Because remember, there is no effect of uh, groups. We're assuming that. We're assuming the null. Okay? Good question. Other questions? And again, like I said, I know this is kind of weird, so please feel free to ask questions. Okay. We now have two estimates of sigma squared sub epsilon to be calculated separately. We have this and this. They both equal that. Assuming the null hypothesis is true, both s squared sub x bar times n and sum of the s squared sub j's over k should both equal the same number, sigma squared sub epsilon. We have two separate, separately calculable quantities that are estimating error variance. It's kind of neat. There's a reason we can find out about group means by looking at variance, and we call it analysis of variance. Because I set up a, an hypothesis at the beginning. I said the null hypothesis is true. And if the null is true, these two quantities are going to be the same. Or not the same. Theoretically, definitely the same. Okay? We call that mean squared error. So, treatment, rather? Either mean squared treatment or mean squared between groups, you hear it called? So mean squared treatment or mean squared between groups? We call this mean squared error. Within or within groups. Or residual. All tend to call it uh, treatment and error. But you can call it between groups and within groups, that's fine. Those are perfectly acceptable substitutes. In a statistics book, in a, in a intro level stats book, you'll you almost always see it called between groups and within groups. In a more advanced book, you'll tend to see it be called treatment and error, or uh, you'll see, you might even see something like mean squared A, if we had A1, A2, A3, and mean squared error. Okay. Which is eventually what we're going to end up calling it. It'll be more complicated. Okay. Who's the person take a lot of Did you ever wonder, by the way, when you were learning about analysis of variance with Wayne, where these terms mean square treatment and square error came from, and like how did, why was that just magically divide one by the other? You ever think about that? You ever think, well, now you know! I think that's kind of cool. Think of the power. Was that, you never, never wondered stuff like that? You were that kind no, of kid? Yeah. Well, I was always wondering things like that in my intro stats class. Yeah, but why? I was like a two-year-old. Yeah, but why? That's beyond the scope of this course, Dave. Shut up. But the shut up was implied, but when I asked, yeah, but why, but a hundred times, 
I wasn't at that. <coughs> okay, again. That's what these quantities are. And think about it. If the null is true, the average of the variances, that's what this is here. This should, the average of the variances, that's your group variance, your group variance, your group variance, average, should be equal to the variance of your means. Because why is there any variation if there's if, if, at all, if the, if the null is true? It's because you're all different people. It's the only thing. So any measure of variance should always be the same. Spoiler alert, we want that not to be true. We want, in fact, there to be something else. JJ, you got a question or you just playing with your hair? I'm just playing with your hair. Okay. Maddie's got a question. So the second one is the average of the variances. Mm -hmm. And what was the first one? Is the variance of the means. The variance of the means. Of the group means. Okay. That's this thing here. This guy here. And we're saying those are equal if the null is true. If the null is true, they should be equal, yeah. So they should also be equal to individual differences? Yeah, well, that's the, well if the null is true, the only place variance comes from is individual differences. Right, because think about it. The model says, okay, and actually, um, that's shorthand. This is actually... That's variance due to treatments and variance due to error. But if that's zero, the only place that has any variance is right there. Okay. If it's non-zero. Okay. If the null is true, both of these things, the expected value of mean squared error and the expected value of mean squared treatment are equal to sigma squared sub epsilon. Maybe they'll stop and learn something. You'll invite them in. Yeah, hear that? They've left. Cowards. Expected value of mean squared error, expected value of mean squared treatment, or if you wish, the expected value of mean squared between groups and mean squared within groups are equal, and they're both equal to sigma squared sub epsilon, the only thing where we have variance because we said the null is true. If HO is not true, it's a little weirder. If HO is not true, then the expected value of mean squared error still is sigma squared sub epsilon. It's still about individual differences. Why is that? Well, mean squared error is the average of your variance, and then your group's variance, and your group's variance. If I do that, how could, even if, even if HO is not true, if HA is true, the fact that the, you know, our drug or whatever has an effect, we're looking at the variance within your group, within your group, and within your group, that can't be affected by the fact that you're in the, the got different levels of the treatment. Right? So it actually still equals sigma squared sub epsilon. But mean squared treatment, which is the mean, the, sorry, the, the, the variance of your means, that 
it'll have it'll have an error in it, sure. But it's also got variance in the treatments, weighted by the number of subjects in each group. So mean squared treatment, the expected value of mean squared treatment is greater than the expected value of mean squared error. Expected value of mean squared treatment is greater than the expected value of mean squared error. My Facebook and Twitter feeds are burning about Marty Saint-Louis. Update, it's Marty Saint-Louis. My mom's sending me messages, it's Marty Saint-Louis. I love hockey. There might be a game during this class. Eh? At which point, we're stopping class. It's the Olympics. It's Canada. It's hockey. Just making that clear? Are we going to watch down the I think that's probably what we'll do. We'll find a way to stream it. We don't have to, but we'd be like a co-dad, you know? Yay! <laughs> Make sure they all know whose game they're playing in a statistics class. All right. So this, and this will not be equal if, if, if uh, HO is not true. Can mean squared treatment ever be less than mean squared error? Less than mean squared error. Don't think so, eh? Because you're, you're adding this to this. Now, could it be less? You might say, well, what if, what if this is a negative quantity? It can't be. It's got a little 2 here. It's squared. can't be negative. You know what, though? This is all in, in, in the world, in the best of all possible worlds, in a theoretical world. In a theoretical world where no assumptions are violated. Those calculations should work out that way, but it can turn out when you calculate it that, one's like, that it's less than, one, that mean squared treatment is less than mean squared error. If that happens, first thing you do is you check, maybe you made a mistake, because it shouldn't happen very often. The next thing it should make you realize is you violated one of those assumptions. Because remember I said, all the assumptions behind this is what makes all this math work. So, it can happen... It theoretically cannot, but practically it does when you violate other assumptions. Usually independence or homogeneity of variance. Okay. So, if we were to divide mean squared treatment by mean squared error, which I've now written backwards in parentheses, it should be mean squared treatment by mean squared error, duh, we would have some estimate of how much extra variation mean squared treatment is measuring. So we're going to take mean squared treatment and divide it by mean squared error. So we're actually going to get some measure of the treatment effect, or tau. And that is precisely what is done in analysis of variance. That is precisely what is done in analysis of variance.
what you're doing, you're getting this. When you think of the expected values, you're getting this over this. Tau plus epsilon over epsilon. Right? If the null hypothesis is true, this should equal 1. If the null hypothesis is not true, it should be greater than 1. Again, does that make sense? Because the, the epsilon and the tau, they're variance measures. They're squared, they're squared quantities. They cannot be negative. So you can never get a negative f value. If that happens, you, should, you did it wrong. Or your experiment is so badly designed that you've violated so many assumptions that you should go become a poet. <laughs> it's actually in, it's in most stats books. It mentions that. Questions? I'm about to go forward here. Okay. So F, efficient, or also for the excellent Gordon Ramsay show, F, excuse um, There's mean squared treatment of the mean squared error. So the expected value of F given HO is true is what? This is F over here on the board, far left. What's the expected value of that if HO is true? One, right? What's the expected value of this if HA is true? Take a look. If HO is true, mean square divided by mean square will be distributed as F with degrees of freedom for degrees of freedom? Degrees of freedom? Degrees of treat degrees of freedom for treatment and degrees of freedom for error. If 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 if, if uh, HO is not true, this will be distributed some other way. Some other way. In other words, we find the probability that this is true. If it's really unlikely, then HO must not be true. So if it's really unlikely, that can't be, that's not true, then we, if, HO, if it's not, HO is true, then HA, HO not true, yay! Experiment, science, publication, job, tenure, promotion. You know, you usually see, yeah, you would usually see me talk about partitioning the sums of squares and degrees of freedom. The overall variance, 
sum of squares total. The sum of squares is the top part. It's the, yeah, it's like this. That's the sum of squares. The sum of squares is the total amount of vari like total variation and variance. Okay, variation. The sum of squares total equals the sum of squares treatment plus the sum of squares for error. Or if you want it, if again, if you want between groups and within groups. Doesn't matter which you like. They're both fine. We can so we can partition, split up, sum of squares total. Sum of squares total, by the way, is just this. That's the grand mean, the overall mean, that's individual scores. So the total degrees of freedom, in our experiment here, with our nine people, how many total degrees of freedom do we have? Well, there's nine people, how many think we have? Total, eight, yeah, exactly. Now let's split that up. How many degrees of freedom do we have for treatment? Remember how we're calculating treatment sum of squares? That is right here. That's individual means, group means, minus the grand mean. This should be a pretty good hint of how many degrees of freedom we have. It's k minus 1. Number of groups minus 1, or in our case, 2. Right? How many do we have left? Let's see, 8. We had 8, we had 2, so probably what we have left over 6. So we get six here, two here, eight here. So you can split degrees of freedom up along with sum of squares. So more precisely, in fact, if you want to look at it this way, that's this equals the number of subjects times the group mean minus the grand mean square plus each score minus its group mean squared we sum all those, then we add all those together. That's all. There's only there's just two summation signs because I've done it within this group, and then I've done it within this group, and then I've done it within this group, and then I've added the three together. Okay? That's why there's two summation signs. I know that looks, whoa! What crazy thing are you doing? I'm just adding twice. That's why I have to do that. I'm adding within each group, then I'm adding all those totals together. Okay? That's why there's two. And I know those of you that have taken a decent amount of math realize there should be an index on the bottom and one on the top. I just, it makes it more confusing for people that haven't done a lot of math. So I just leave that out. Okay. I also don't want you, by the way, if you find the stuff that you're going to feel, as soon when we leave, you're going to feel like your brain's going to explode. It's okay. Most people feel like that after this one. It does sink in. Don't worry. And for some of you, it's sunk in already, and that's fine. That's good. For those of you that have sunk in already, you completely lose it later. I'm kidding. So it's big N minus 1. Big N is the number of subjects in the study. <coughs> minus 1, in our case, 8. Right, 9 in our study, minus 1 is 8. K minus 1. Number of groups, minus 1. Well, remember I said, you could, this things go together, they split up like this. Well... Then it's the case that big N minus K is what's left over. It's big N minus K. 
Big N is uh, 9. K is 3. 9 minus 3 is 6. Oh, and look, 6 and 2 is 8. This always goes wrong. I hope somebody, like a university administrator, is going by thinking I'm teaching you arithmetic. 6 and 2 is 8. So in our case, we would take a look at what the critical value was for F at 2 and 6 degrees of freedom. I don't know what it is offhand. Anybody want to look that up? Let's see. If you got your book on you, look at the critical value with 2 and 6 degrees of freedom. Let's see if you can beat me Google. Nobody's even trying. <laughs> Two and six degrees of freedom. Go. Well, this isn't helping me. Um, I'm sorry, oh. I'm going to do it now. No, I think I, I think I have it. I think I have it. Oh, yeah, you, you got it. You got no, it. No, no, I don't have it. But I figured I've had enough time, time now that I can maybe look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Two and six. It's five point one four. What'd you get? Five point one four. That's six and two and six. Yep, that's right. Five and four. Five point one four. Five point one four three according to this split page. Right, but you win. Mm -hmm. I got nothing. <laughs> I'm going to two decimal points. Yeah, that's okay. We wouldn't usually have that many significant digits anyway. <laughs> that's something to worry about. So if RF and our little experiment here, our little experiment, I can't, what was it? Something to do with heart rate, was greater than 5.14 or 4.14? Whatever the hell it was in the table. We would say that HO is true, that HA is true, that whatever this drug did to your heart rates did something. It would be a little more precise than that, I would imagine. I knew what the drug was. But the groups are different. If it was less than that, we would say, well, that's not enough evidence. There's still greater than a 5% chance that HO is true. We're just going to not say anything, unfortunately, and now what a giant waste of our time and resources it was to do this experiment. I wish we had more power. We should have put more people in the experiment, etc., 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 but it's all hindsight now. They've revoked our funding, and we've all lost our jobs. <laughs> Science is a cruel mistress. <laughs> So basically what you end up with is that. You get something called the Enoma Summary Table. Now, the Enoma Summary Table used to be, back when I was young, you would actually put this in your paper. Now you just put the F value. You just say F with this many and this many degrees of freedom equals this. P is less than 0.05 if it's significant or whatever. But the nice thing about this, you'll get this when you do any output with SPSS or SAS or uh, not really Excel so much. Any statistical software. Between groups and within groups, so using the older term you guys are used to, K minus 1 degrees of freedom, big N minus K degrees of freedom for then, and big N minus 1 total degrees of freedom. Mean square here is sum of squares between groups divided by K minus 1. Sum of squares within groups divided by big N minus K. The F value that you calculate is mean square between groups divided by mean square within groups. And again, we don't, sadly, uh, it used to be you'd see these, if you find an older article you're reading from the 70s, even early 80s, 
And before, if they do any Nova, they'll often show you this whole thing as a table. Right? Now you'll see the F value and you'll see the mean square. Typically, you'll see the mean squared error. And that's all you'll see. So that then allows you to, to determine if three groups are different. But it's all about variance. You didn't do really very much with the, mean, with the means, except to use them to calculate variances. Even though it's going to tell you if the means are different. It's actually quite neat. And oh, on that note, I should tell you that uh, next Wednesday, 11.30, don't know the room yet, one of them computer labs, Sophie's going to give a uh, demonstration, like a little lab thing about how to use SPSS to set up a data set to do t-test, to do an f-test, a simple f-test. Um, you can do your assignment by hand. That's fine. It can be done. And it actually isn't that hard. It's not a whole lot of calculations. But it's easier. And it's also better if you get experience using software. Because um, especially those of you that are going to do honors, that you'll want to be able to analyze your data next year using software as well. Easier. Unless you do your thesis with me, I usually make people do stuff that I can do in my head or by hand. It's easier that way for me. <clears throat> so, like, you know, we're doing a chi square, I'm going to do it on my phone. You know, I'd rather do it that way. But um, oftentimes, you need software to do this. So, so I'll, I'll have more on that as time goes by next Tuesday as well. Questions on this? It's not that bad. It's all the same stuff you learned last year, except now you know where all these damn quantities come from. Which I think is kind of cool. You got anything? I have a Please. The assignment that's uh, due on the 14th, that's a Friday. I'm, it says 14th, it's a, I thought it said 13th. Oh, maybe it says 13th. It should be the 13th, and it's still. Oh, no, it's, it says 14th. Does it? Yeah, it says 14th. Oh, yeah, on the assignment, assignment it says 13th. Oh, I should, I'll fix that in the webpage. So Sorry about that. So <clears throat> I'll fix that in the webpage. And then no one will ever know. <laughs> now you'll look like you're crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it says 13th, that's right. Because the 14th, yeah, remember I right because I said it has it with love. It's actually what House of Cards coming out. Right. Anything else? Good? Let this sink in. I know it's tough. And I know I can see some of you look like you're not very happy right now. But it will work out. It always does. It will be okay.
podcast is released under a Creative Commons copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right. Giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want, okay? Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's Podsafe, and most of it comes from GarageBand.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.